0: Good morning, everybody. Uh, we're going to be reading today from Nehemiah, chapter one. And as you can see, we're still kind of preaching on people in the Bible. And beginning uh, in be verse one, of chapter one, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakhalah. Now it happened in the month of Chisna, in the twentieth year, while I was a citizen of the capital, and Hanani, one of my brothers, that's a and from Judah, came. Now I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. They said to me, the remnant there and the prophets who survived the of captivity are in great distress and approach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates were of by fire. Now, it came about when I heard these words, I sat down and wept in mourn for days. I was fasting and praying to the Lord and God a and I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserve the covenant, loving kindness of those who love him, and keep his commandments. Uh, let thy ear now be attended, and thy eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant, which I am praying before thee now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, thy servants, and confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. I am my father's house, I said. And we acted very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments on the statute, nor the statutes nor the ordinances without this command I said, Then chapter 2, verse 1. And it came about in the month of his son, in the 20th year of king, at the kingdom had art proceeds, that wine was before him, and I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I have not been sad in his trust, came out. Right. Father, we thank you for your grace, thank you for this large day. Thank you, God, that when we gather together to meet you, you are in our midst, you are with us. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray right now that we will have our hearts and minds open to the word that you give to us. Father, let us not only give the word, but let us practice Help us this next week as we encounter others. We show the spirit of Christ within us. Other oh, more than anything else, we want to follow the ministry of the Lord. Forgive us now for the sense that we have In Jesus' name, we pray. all of us that are high age know what it's like to great crisis. Come to a point where this thing is so big, you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do. <laughs> It is a crisis so big that only God can deal with it. Let me set the background for Nehemiah who faced a crisis like that. First of all, uh, after Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was split. The northern kingdom with ten tribes was called Israel. The southern kingdom, called Judah, had two tribes and they had divided, and later on, because of their sin, God punished. First of all, the northern people who were carried into captivity. Sometimes they were called the lost, ten tribes. But then the tribes of Judah also rebelled against God, and so about 150 years later, they too were carried off into captivity, but some stayed behind. Seven years went by, and God had promised that he was going to one day restore them. And so here's Nehemiah. He has a cushy job under the king Arturces. Nehemiah is a Jew, but he has a trusted position of being the wine, the cup bearer of the king. And he would take some of it before the king would drink to make sure he was not being poisoned. And he was a trusted advisor as well. So people came from Jerusalem, including Nehemiah's brother. And he asked them how things were going in Jerusalem, and they said, It is terrible. The people are in despair. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and all the gates have been burned. The Bible says to This is a hard moment. This is a great crisis to so find out that his people were in such distress. I like to ask Three things that i found here. And also, I'd like us to try to apply them to our lives, especially during a time of crisis. First of all, it says, be grieved. Verse 4. Now when I heard about, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying for the Bible. I saw that's like in our lives. Sometimes it seems too terrible even for us to bear In Job, uh, Job once says, A man born of woman is a few days, and those are full of trouble. That's true. There are many troubles. There are some good times in our lives, but also days of trouble that we all face. I mean, we have death, no, it may be hell help, hell, yet it could be a crisis in our jobs. It could be almost anything, but it is a great crisis that comes upon us and we grieved deeply. In uh, one of the churches that I served, I had a really good friend in the church. And he came to me one day and he said, uh, let me tell you about the worst experience of my life. I said, okay? He said, it was my daughter. He had a daughter and two sons. The daughter was really the apple of his eye. And he said he'd heard, that this teenage daughter had become pregnant. And he went to her and asked her that. And she said, oh, oh, yeah, that's not true. That's just a rumor. But then he heard from a couple of other people. And so he went to her and said, we're going to the doctor. They went to the doctor and they did a test. she was pregnant. And he said to her, why didn't you tell me before? And she said, I was too ashamed to tell you. And he said, that encounter was like uh, somebody kicked him in the stomach and left there." Grieved to the depths of his soul, so that his entire stomach was in turmoil over this. Disaster. Now, now I mentioned before, but I, I can understand that. Now, my uh, deceased wife and I were married 45 years. I fully totally expected that we well, were going to have at least another 20 or 25 years. Uh, that was my plan. And it didn't happen. She had cancer. Last two and a half months, you regenerated, went away. It was a terrible experience. It was so hard. I was affected emotionally, spiritually, physically. Thank God, I had people in the church that rallied around me, helped me through that. And without that, I'm not sure how I would face it. But you know, God ultimately was my comfort. And then looking back later, even though that was a terrible event, I still saw the hand of God. God prepared us for that. He gave me two and a half years after her diagnosis to say goodbye. And I was able to say I love you many times, and I did. In many ways that was the best time in all 45 45 marriage. And then, you know, while I was still grieving, I met Anna. And first time I met her it was actually I was preaching and she came to the church. I had no idea day she was. <laughs> she was supposed to be in Mexico City, but she didn't and I'll come here. Last night we were talking about this and uh, she said to me it was like a chessboard." I said, oh, how's that? She said, well, you have all the pieces and they move in a precise pattern and in a precise time. Everything had to be perfect for us even to get together. She said, I never expected this. And yet God put all of that together. And I thank God for her uh, she has helped me more than you, you can know. And she's been a real blessing in my life. And Norm was saying, well, she's much better looking than I am. He I mean, I mean, asked me, you know, how was he able to a beautiful wife like that? I said, well, isn't that obvious? Uh, because she can't see very well. And, I mean, I mean, sure. <laughs> and, and so, if God works in our and in His own time, he has a plan. Sometimes it's only in looking back that we can see the plan of God. In Ecclesiastes one, it says, for everything there is time. Time to be a time to die, time to grieve, time to love. Secondly, Nehemiah, after he finished grieving, after he was still in the process of grieving, it says that he prayed. Prayer is a vital part of our relationship with God. Not only us talking to God, but God talking back to us. That's what prayer is. Prayer is communication. It is not one-way. It is a dialogue with God, and I believe that God speaks to us in prayer. Notice what He does. First of all, it says that He confessed in verse seven. We we talked about how He loved all the ordinance of God. And he asked God in the confession. He said, God, forgive me, forgive my fathers before me, forgive the nation of Israel. We have fallen away from you. You scattered us, but you promised us that you were going to bring us back again. He says in first John, confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is important, it's a vital part of worship it is it's a vital part of prayer. And I'm really glad that this is the first church where I've been where It's actually scheduled in the world to have a prayer confession. And that ought to be a vital part of our lives when we <coughs> pray to God. But you know, the, the problem is, we don't really pray that much. I was reading that the average Christian Prays less than five times a day. To so praying five times a day, that's not going to get the job done. No, we need to pray more than that. And then in, in the prayer, after his confession, he called upon God. Verse six it says, ask God to be, have his ears open and his eyes seen him in his distress and the grief that he's facing. Him. When you pray, God gives us calls upon his children. He lets us know that he's there. He gives us a peace that passes all understanding. He gives us comfort. That the world cannot get understand understanding. The world does not have that kind of relationship with him. We do. Lord, look at you in the Bible You see that you know, God's hand, God's plan is found even in the worst circumstances. Joseph was captured by his brothers, in thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. He was taken into Egypt as a slave. God was still with him, even when he was put in this jail cell. uh, God still heard him. Eventually, he rose to become the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And a famine came, and his brothers went to Egypt to get food. They found Joseph there, and Joseph said, "You planned all of this for evil. God planned it. Bad thing happened, God." a John chapter nine. Jesus and his disciples encountered a man that had been born blind, and so the disciples asked the question of the day: What caused the blindness? Was it the sin of his parents, or was it his sin? Did his parents somehow do something wrong, or was he a bad penis? Jesus said to hey. But this was done and after he was healed, he went around glorifying God there was something in the plan of God that came to fruition for this man had, had a terrible uh, malady in his life in James 1-2 it says count it all joy my brothers when you face various temptations various trials and we've all been through those trials we know what they're like and sometimes they seem to be crushing and bruising Count it joy as God is working in those. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And as we pray, God answers the prayer, and then we're called upon to respond. So, Nehemiah, God spoke and said, Nehemiah, I need you to be the one to restore Jerusalem. To begin fulfilling the promise that I made to my people in the first place had to send in my sermon pile and I completely changed it when I said it again, but Norm was kidding about it this weekend. Uh, I, uh, I I had uh, a few years ago yeah. I had a pair of boxes, the kind that the Indians wear, and they were the most comfortable things that I had ever put on. It was soft leather the top size and the bottom. And I love wearing those around the house. I, I even brought them when they were almost worn out I was all well together. I kept wearing them, but then uh, the seams started pulling out. And then uh, the, the bottom started to his the holes because I had worn them so much. And I tried repairing them for a while, but finally they them, there was nothing left. And so I was taken out of my comfortable shoes and had to wear something else. Nehemiah was a comfort zone. It, he, he was a cupbearer to the king. He had a great job. And God took him out of that comfort zone and he put him in a terrible situation. And so he went back to build a wall and to try to restore Jerusalem. He was ridiculed. He was suspected. Uh, Sometimes they had to build a wall and a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. And yet he did that because God gave him the signs. He or most of us this seems like a pretty good place to live. Really great temperatures, good prices, you can have a, a, a maid in the garden sometimes if you want one. Uh, you know, we, we're surrounded by a lot of other people, like us, be a lot of gray hair in this town and in this church. Like
1: that. A lot of gray hair, and you know, are in the comfort zone. And
0: I know, I came here to retire. i was looking for a job. And I know that a lot of you are not looking for a job, and have not been looking for a job. but Here in the church, you have full time jobs. God took you out of the comfort zone, and He gave you a job to do. And if you're not doing a job right now, it's because because God hadn't spoken to you. Just haven't. So in the response, He came and He started building a wall. Now, in the last couple of years, we've been hearing a lot about a wall, especially in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea whether an additional section of wall is going to do any good or not. I don't think it's about a wall at all. It's it's a whatever one party is for, the other party is automatically against it, and so they fight each other about all these side issues. There really ought not to be. But even in this now, most of us live inside of a wall, don't we? Uh, maybe in a gated community. When I was working in the prison, I lived in a gated community. <laughs> 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 and even here, uh, I, here I have you know, my little area completely surrounded by a wall. I don't know how tall it is. And then there are electric wires all the way around the outside. And the reason that we have that is we try to protect ourselves the best that we can. Now, in Jerusalem, there was no protection. People were just coming in and taking what they wanted. and There was no way to keep them out because there was no wall or no doors. And the people were in great distress because cause up. It's ruins. It's not a physical kind of ruins is spiritual. Because we are under attack spiritually every day. I know that I find that to be true in my life. And sometimes I am better at resisting that than others. But let me suggest to you that I have, I have listed three, three walls that we build up to protect ourselves spiritually. First of all, there's a wall of prayer 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says to pray without ceasing. Now, if you're riding down the road, sometimes you can just thank God for a beautiful day. You can thank Him if you find a parking space. Thank God. You just pray without ceasing. Uh, if, you, if God blesses your life, thank Him. Rejoice in Him. Ask Him for things all day long. God loves to hear the prayer. Instead said a long ago, five days a day is not going to work. I was reading about Martin Luther, the the Lutheran denomination. We, we have a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> and he said he had so much work to do, he could not possibly get it with done without a minimum of three hours every day praying. He couldn't get done out three hours. How much more do we need? <clears throat> Jesus, the very Son of God, Spent an enormous amount of time praying, seeking the will of the Father. To, and he was able to know intimately what God desired. And when we pray, expect that God's needy Enough time looking for God to see that. We just say, oh God, he's terrible, he's do me. And then we need sometimes just to be still and know that he is God times you know what God's saying. You know what's right, and you know what is important. and you know that there's a peace in your life of following that will of God. First wall is a law of all, prayer. Second law is a law of all, the study. And, uh, second Timothy says, "A study to show yourself approved unto God." A workman that does not need to be ashamed. You know, I've spoken about my granddad before. He was in my life a great spiritual worker. And he lived right across the street and I watched how he lived his life. I never heard him curse. We didn't use a uh, swear word that sometimes I didn't even hear from church members and My I <laughs> do used these things. He probably only got, well, there were only 11 grades back then. And I think he finished high school, but he had to go out to work after that. He was a farmer. He loved farming. He did that all his life. He loved studying the Word of God. And I, he would be reading every day, trying to learn as much about God. When he was in his 90s, he was still teaching a Sunday school class almost at the age of 95. And he, he loved his Templified Bible because he gave different translations of various words. And he would quote those. I, I was in seminary during part of that time, and I would come home and he would discuss ideas that he had no idea that he was aware of those things. But he read it and he studied it he wanted to know about the things of God. With all of his heart, soul, and mind, he loved God and he wanted it. Say that there are people in the book, you know. But sometimes the book just sitting there on the shelf or on the counter. It's never picked up. A wall of prayer. Wall of study. And then finally a wall of fellowship. Jesus said where two or three are together in, in this Ecclesiastes, it says that if the is a man does a open ball and falls down because a friend, a friend can lift him up. But He's by himself and he falls down. There's nobody else there to pick him up. We need to pick each other up when we come together to church. We need encouragement to live the Christian life. We need fellowship with one another. I believe it is imperative for believers to come to church, to be together with other Christians. It's not just the church, that's not preaching. It is to be with the people of God and we grow spiritually when we are with others. In Hebrews, it says, forsaking not the assembling of God, as is the practice of the Son. I can worship God out in the woods. you can. But you can't worship God the way that He designed you. You know, for people to say, well, the church is nothing to do. The Bible says that Christ loved the church. He You don't like the church. That's one thing. Christ loves the church. And to disparage Christ's guidebook, I think it's a What do you do about it? Building walls around yourself. Protecting yourself what the Bible says of the fiery guards being thrown at you. And that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spirits. We know that we are under attack, and we can sense that, and I. I see a spiritual degeneration in North America. Certainly, even in my life tonight. I, I plan. I, I plan to study God's Word. You are holy. You are Almighty. You are everywhere present. Right now, Lord, you are among us. We thank you for your people that you call. Thank you that we belong to you. Thank you that you have the knowledge. Your plans will work out with you in our lives. And Lord, let us align ourselves with you. Give us, oh God, what we do not. Lift us up, give us strength. Let us courage, and pray and strengthen one another. Amen.